1: Oh baby, what a catch! Kenny got a You're a freak. What
0: a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Was... Cornbread. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in,
1: Detroit Kool-Aid what is going on everybody we are back and a few weeks ago we promoted that we might have a guest basically our first guest on the show it's usually me and Griff could just talking Lions football and I'm happy after some busy schedules and some things came up that today we're happy to have on Eric Schlitt of USA Today Lions Wire a lot of you probably know him from the Detroit Lions breakdown podcast Eric how you doing man thanks for coming
0: on the show. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we got to uh, match our schedules up. It gets a little hectic this time of year for me, so I'm glad we were able to match up. Absolutely. There's no better time than draft season. And Grifka, are you on
1: the the other end of the line, buddy? We can't forget about you, star of the show.
2: Oh yeah, I'm here, man. I'm here
1: all right sounds good i haven't had to use the Griffka bell yet so eric uh, what we're gonna do is uh we're just gonna talk some lions football me and Griffka have some questions for you it is the best time of year man it's draft season um i can't believe it's only a couple weeks away so uh we're gonna go ahead and just uh fire off some questions and, and get this thing rolling so sound
0: like a plan yeah sounds great
1: so so eric the first thing i have for you uh I know you've talked about it on your show, but I'm just interested if you could give us kind of a quick summary about your Quib score. I know you uh, have really been diving into that, and it's really interesting that you've developed this own, like, custom um, score slash analytical system that you kind of use to judge who Bob Quinn's looking at, who the Lions might be interested in. So tell us a little bit about how you developed it and exactly what it is in in kind of a short form there.
0: Yeah, so well, basically how it works is when Bob Quinn was hired as general manager three years ago, I wanted to get an idea of the types of players he would be looking to add to the Lions roster uh, coming over from New England. So I went back and I looked at all the players that were drafted or signed by free agents uh, while Quinn was in New England, at least when he was in a position to uh, you know, impact those decisions. And I... Uh, correlated all the measurements like um forty times and broad jumps and et cetera and all all the things that we get at the combines in the pro days and I started looking for patterns at each position to see if there were commonalities that might give me an idea of uh different players that that Quinn might target so when I got a baseline of that, I added in the players that were existing on the roster and then I got a nice uh, format for a first year of what I thought Quinn would be looking for. And it worked out pretty well, uh, and then as time has passed, I've been adding more information into this database, and I've been able to fine tune it even more. So, in its, you know, it's in its simplest form, basically, I'm trying to figure out what traits players have that translate and that the that the Lions uh, front office will be targeting so for example like with the offensive line uh, that's a position that um, likes lateral movement right and with this uh, schemes where that the that since Bob Quinn has come in they've had more of like zone blocking schemes they wanted more athletic offensive linemen and what we've seen is a increase in Um, the short shuttle time for the offensive linemen. He, he brought in like 15 offensive linemen for workouts or, or signed them or drafted them that, that first year. And all of them were significantly lower in their short shuttle than what Detroit had done in the past. And so that kind of was a a big, you know, red light going off that, hey, this is an important area that they care about. And that's translated over into, um, you know, the, the future drafts and the free agents that they've targeted since. And it works like this for every position. It's not just one category. Sometimes it's uh, two or three. Sometimes it's even four or five. But uh, each position is unique. And this year what I've done is I've been able to expand it to even um, within the position, having like specific roles. Like, for example, not just a, what a receiver Looks like, but what does a slot receiver look like compared to a outside receiver? So, I've been able to get really specific with it this year, and the the whole point of it is basically to narrow down the prospect pool so that Lions fans can focus on uh, maybe a hundred guys instead of five hundred guys, and it, it worked out real well last year. Um, I had really good re- response from it, um, and of the guys that I targeted. Uh, five of them actually passed the 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 system the one guy that didn't pass was um the fullback bowden because there's not enough information for me to create a quib for the fullback position so everyone else though passed and so that told me i'm definitely continuing to move in the right direction and i've started putting out a series of articles that are narrowing the field of prospects uh, for this year's class
1: Nice, well, I just have a quick follow up and then I'll kick it over to Grifka so so with your quib um, you actually kind of take the overall scheme and also like what the lines might look for in a type of player at all the different types of positions, but it does have more of a focus too on the athletic testing it does does the uh, college production um, kind of play into it or is it more just athletic testing and hey, this guy fits the type of lineman the type of slot? the type of uh, DN
0: the Lions would be looking for. So, so Quib is focused entirely on the athletic measurements and, and Quib is just one part of, of the, of the system. While I use, while I use the Quib to narrow the prospects, the focus of of the amount of prospects um, you do have to understand what the prospects are capable of. And then that helps us narrow the field down even further. Oftentimes I'll have um, maybe six players that all fit into one category, but four of them uh, will fit the scheme and the other two don't. So even though those two players uh, fit athletically, we have to also incorporate, okay, these guys don't fit schematically, and then we we know we can kind of move on from them. So Quib is just the athletic part of it. Um, there's there's still a film, story, a film study portion of it that also helps us, but that's not technically the Quib. That's just part of our overall uh, scouting process
1: okay well very cool like I want to get that out right off the top I know a lot you've talked about it and you've written some awesome articles but I wanted to lay that out in the show uh, let me kick it over to Grifco we'll get into some some Lions draft talk specific now Grifco what do you got for Eric man
2: just to follow up on your quib uh, is there anybody that you, you think the Lions would be really targeting based on the uh, analysis that you have done recently with uh, the draft at with like the eighth pick or maybe somewhere uh, free agent out there that they may be looking at with the uh, numbers that you ran? Uh,
0: well, there's usually quite a bit of number. I mean, there's usually quite a bit of prospects. Um, it, it's the, the design is to, is to kind of help our, help our focus. So like if we're looking solely at the eighth pick, the first thing we have to do is say, okay, which, players might be in consideration just based on talent and then we use uh, i'll use the quib to kind of narrow that down based on that i mean i have four prospects right off the top that fit my system perfectly and also I, from a schematic standpoint i believe fit as well and, and those four players are the ones that are at the top of most draft boards you know and williams uh, nick bosa josh allen and then ed oliver those four guys for me are the very top of this class and they're the guys that would, they fit so well in in both avenues that I think it would be hard to pass on either of them. Um, If they were, if any, if any of those four are there at number eight, I think it would be really hard for them to pass on that beyond those four. It gets a little bit more wide open. Then you have to factor in some other things like for example, Rashawn Gary passes but I don't think Gary is as nice of a fit with um, now that Trey Flowers is in the mix. So I think that his stock goes down a little bit, um, whereas a guy like Brian Burns or Montez Sweat, their value goes up a little bit because they're, they have a little bit more unique um, styles to their game.
1: Hey, real, real quick, uh,
0: yeah. Eric. Uh, this where, is this where I bust on Grifka.
1: Grifka, you can't ask a follow up to my follow up. We'll never get through our questions. This guy's <laughs> time is precious, man. Come on. Uh, so, are, are you going to do your question? You actually had Grifka or is it me again?
2: I'm sorry, that just kind of crossed my mind. If it, if he had somebody kind of you know kind of targeted that you know he saw at that pick, so uh,
1: I, yeah. So well, I just kind of wanted to ask that his quib like he what he does because so he has like all these players that fit the quib at all the positions at every level at all the rounds of the draft so tons right. of people fit it but like like you said he, he narrowed down the top ones for you which that was good i've I've heard you talk about those four eric and like i like uh, i like those four you have and like you say three of them i don't think have much of a chance to be there you know uh the ed oliver has been a big a big debate so so Griffka, if you got another one uh go ahead Um, sure.
2: Um, you know, dealing with the draft and, uh, there's talk of like trading down is, uh, you know, we've heard Atlanta, New England, is there a specific target or range that you you think the Lions may be looking at to trade down or is kind of like every spot open, you know, depending
1: on the deal. Now that's a good question, Grifka. There you go. (laughs) Go ahead, Eric. Uh,
0: No, I I think a lot of things are open. Um, you know, one of the things that Bob Quinn, is known for is his preparedness. And so he's going to run multiple scenarios. He does this every year. He runs multiple scenarios to, to determine what he thinks will happen at his spot. And then if he were to make a move, what will happen beyond that what, before he would pick again? So uh trading down with Atlanta, it does make sense because you can pick up another day to pick. You're only dropping around what, six spots and then it still gives you some leverage if to move back again if you if you wanted to. Really, the the depth of this class is the is on day two in my opinion. And where their their needs meet the depth, it, it, uh, there's so many like nice fits there on day two. Tight end, corner, uh, guard, uh, wide receiver. These are all great. Um, you're going to find great players there on day two, and if you can. You know, trade back, get an extra pick. Now you have your pick in the first. Now three in in on day two. Now you can hit all four of those spots. But if they, you know, move off of those needs because there's other talented players. There's lots of other players uh, that are positions that are deep on day two as well. So I, I don't think they're I, I don't think they're married to that eighth pick at all. Uh, you know, like I said, I, there's four guys that I wouldn't trade out of the spot for. I don't know if those are the same. Like four guys that the Lions wouldn't trade out for. I think they would be, they're looking right now to trade out and try and get as many picks in that top 100 as they can. You know, even if they get a pick that's on day three, I wouldn't be surprised if they used day three picks to try and jump back up into the top 100 because that's really where the value is in this class.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. The three teams I've heard the most about are Houston. Atlanta, and then I've heard some rumblings about Carolina here in the last few days. All those I love kind of trading down to the mid-round, picking up picks, like you say, and still getting a great football player uh, in the first round. I mean, if the deal was sweet, I'd even take a future, um,
0: you know, high high pick if, if sure. the deal was right. So I, uh, I, I like that a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they even stressed some of the teams right behind them, like Denver and Cincy. And if there's a quarterback there that one of them wants, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to put pressure on them to move up uh, and then they could even then possibly shift back again and still be in the top, you know, 20 with a couple extra picks out of it. They're in a nice spot. And and the additions that they've made uh, in in free agency have allowed them to, um, you know, have the flexibility to move where they need to be.
1: Yep. I, uh, the only thing is I don't think they uh, can fake people that in a quarterback. I mean, you're pretty set on Stafford, right?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, they're going to, I would like them to add a quarterback in this class because Connor Cook and um, and Savage aren't like, they're not ideal, but Savage is, is tolerable. Cook has a little bit upside, uh, but beyond this year, I I don't want to have to live with that as, as the backup situation. So adding a a day three guy, if you can get a guy like uh, Tyree Jackson that, that maybe slips down there uh, he would be a lot of fun. If he's there in the fourth round, I, I know people are talking about him going in the third, but you know, he has so many, you know, raw edges right now. I think, a team that uses a third on him is really, I, I think it would, it would take a lot of projection for a team to do that.
1: Yeah. Grifka, uh, back to me here for uh, another one. Yes. All right. Hey, Eric, so you broke down your top four, which you said was like Bosa, Allen, Quentin, and, uh, and then you had Oliver in there. So it was like your top yep. four. But like I said, three out of those four, we pretty much know will be off the board. I kind of wanted to drill down, you know, because let's just say we're sitting at eight. I mean, everybody would always love a trade down, but you have to assume we're going to be at eight. I know this has been talked about across the board, but right now, if the draft's tomorrow and we're sitting at eight, we can't move out of that spot. Like, what do you think are the top three realistic targets for you, the guys that will pretty much be there and that you would be considering and who you take in if you're Bob Quinn with uh, those three realistic targets? Break that down
0: a little bit for me. So you're saying if Oliver's not there, because yeah, I mean, let's us, there, he, he, he's my guy. Yeah, I'm,
1: I, I'm with you. I, I've been on his train for a while. I, I don't know that Grifka loves him, but um, let's say he's gone. And then kind of your next year. So we're talking like everybody's heard the sweats, the Hawkinsons, the uh, sure. Brian Burns, all these different people
0: like that. Uh, you know, I think there's a case that could be made for, um one of the one of those defensive ends like a, like a gary or or a burns or a sweat but i also have there there's also some major flaws that go with each of those guys as well the talent says that those three guys would would be in the mix but gary is a, he's somewhat repetitive for the lions uh, i don't know how his path to the field would be as as smooth as a guy like um burns or sweat But Sweat has some off-the-field issues from his time at Michigan State. Uh, I know from my Michigan State contacts that the stuff that he was, uh, he ran with a really bad crowd, and uh, he ran with a crowd where a couple years ago there was a player out of Michigan State that the Lions weren't going to touch, that he was in that same crew, and, and, and so there's some bad vibes there with Sweat, even though he seems to fit a lot of what they're looking for. Uh, things have been really quiet on Burns when we talk to our uh, sources, uh, myself and, and Jeff Rizzo, my, my partner over at LionsWire. Um, nobody really talks about Burns. He makes a lot of sense to us, but but he, it's awfully quiet around him. So while those three guys make sense from a value standpoint, I don't know if if any of them are, are truly in the mix. From a talent standpoint, they should be. Um, the tight end could definitely be in the mix. So like if you're looking at Hawkinson or Fant, um, again, I think eight's early. So I think they're going to do whatever they can to try and trade out if that's what their target is. And um, for me, both of them are are pretty even and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, targeted Noah Fant over Hawkinson. Big reason being is in my system, uh, Noah Fant passes all the metrics for uh, a tight end but he also passes all the metrics for a wide receiver and that's something that's really hard to do and he's ba- he's basically is a if he was a receiver instead of a tight end he would be he would still be one of the top 2 wide receivers in this class he can fill two holes for you he can fill a tight end hole and he can fill a wide receiver hole He automatically becomes your uh, third target. He has the opportunity to grow to to be a second, their second most valuable target on this this offense. So, I I do think Fant is a guy they would really consider uh, along with those three edge guys. Uh, Then it gets a little tricky because you know there's no clear tight end, there's no clear offensive tackle who's who's a, a number one guy. There's no clear. Cornerback, who's the number one guy, and so it gets a little bit harder to peg which guy it might be. Um, Could it be Devin White or Devin Bush? Maybe. Uh, I I think it's a little early to go uh, off the ball linebacker, considering what they're doing in other spots. But Devin Bush would be a guy who could uh, he could help Jared Davis. I'm sorry, Devin Bush could be a guy who could help Jared Davis quite a bit. And, uh, you know, he, has a, he could come in and really solidify that, that front. And so there's kind of an outside shot. He could be in the mix there as well.
1: Eric, let me put the heat on you before I kick it back to Griffin. Sure. You, you brought up a lot of good names. Sure. You broke it down uh, really good. Uh, you're at your Bob Quinn or you're sending that <laughs> card to the podium. Uh, do you have a name or two? I, I don't want to pin you down if you don't want to, but um, if you had your ideal pick and you can't have those top four, um, who would Eric Schlitt select at eight if you're stuck?
0: My number five guy is Rashawn Gary. And I know that that's not a – I know I'm in the minority <laughs> in that in a lot, yeah. in a lot of ways and and i'm okay with that um but schematically he fits uh it's very diff- it's very rare to find guys at his size that can move the way he can uh he's not a production guy but he has the ability to just destroy plays um and and, and again this has kind of been my stance for a while and i i don't i don't there's not there's no one else that's stepped up to back me off of him right now so He would be my five. But like I said, if he's there, I'm very open to trading as well, because like I said at the top, he's got some flaws to his uh, to his game as well.
1: Yeah. Okay. very cool. Uh, The the biggest thing that worries me about Gary is his mentality sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if he has that NFL dog type mentality, but his athleticism, the way he gets off the football is incredible. Um, let me go ahead and uh, throw it back to Grifka. But, hey, Grifka, do you have your notepad? Did you take down notes about all that Montez sweat? You've been touting him forever. Eric Schlitt just said, uh, maybe not so fast, my friend.
2: Yeah, I, I hear him. I hear him. I'll take it into okay. consideration. Okay. But, like you said, he does have the measurables. But uh, sure. if uh, if the lines are looking for somebody with uh, – they don't like character flaws, which they've said before, I mean, it's definitely a, a big uh, red flag against him. So it's understandable. Yeah.
0: Well, well, look at it this way, too. With Sweat, they have they went to Mississippi State to watch Mississippi State games three times this year. They met with him at the Senior Bowl and they met with them at the Combine. So they're very interested in him. It's just a matter of are they willing to overlook um, some of those character flaws? Because from an Uh, from a measurement standpoint, he fits everything that they want. Uh, I mean, his arms are insane. They love arm length. They love guys that go to the senior bowl. They love fast. Kind of these, these fast, fast guys that can be both fast and quick. He's, he's got it. He's got all of it. And so I just don't know from everything that I've been told from a character standpoint is they won't touch him. They won't touch him. They won't touch him. I just all indicators say he's still in play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, Grifka. What do you got? Um,
2: I know we've been discussing a lot of uh, high round draft picks. Um, are there any mid round draft prospects that really interest you that may fit the Lions? Uh,
0: let's narrow it down a little bit. You want like a <laughs> day two, day three uh, offense? Let's go. Um, let's go day three. Okay, those late
2: round guys where people are kind of like, who? They're scratching their head. They don't know this guy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs>
0: Uh, do you have any offense, defense, any, or just open, open forum? Uh,
2: let's go, um, let's go defense. Cause I still think the team needs a little help on defense, even with their signings, they've done.
0: You need some, O, Grifka, you need <laughs> offense, man. We just loaded up on D anyway, go ahead. Uh, from an offensive st- or from a defensive standpoint, um, there's a couple of guys that I think could sneak into day three. That would be really interesting to, to watch. Um, Charles O'Menehew from Texas. He's um, he's a guy who I think is, they put a lot of work in on. He is a you think he's day sorry you think he's day three isn't yeah, that more it, of a day two guy? I think he's he's fringe day day round three round four. I think he would okay. be pick one eleven in my book. I think he, okay. they'd have to take him in the fourth round. It's possible, very possible, he goes in the third. I have, yeah I, to, I like them in a few but sure yeah right I, that's not a bad range, so I got you uh if you want me to go a little bit further out then um let's see um all right, so one of the things that I think they're they're looking for let's so let's say they don't get sweat in the first round and they and they they still want that pass rushing um kind of hybrid stand up pass rusher guy um I butcher these names, especially, like, these good <laughs> players. So uh, he, this this guy plays at Houston. It's uh, Amiki Igbule. He plays at Houston. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. got you. I love that you picked, like, the hardest name to pronounce either
1: <laughs> that or uh, right? the Penn State
0: corner Warrior. So oh, uh, I'm glad you went Warrior. with the other hardest one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Igbule from Houston is very intriguing to me. He's a guy who I think, again, could be in that uh, round – late round three, early round four type range. Uh, he has the ability to play a uh, linebacker as well as be a pass rusher. So if you are like, if you're in love with Josh Allen, but you, you can't get him, this is a guy who I think you can get uh, a little bit later who can give you that same, he's not going to give you the same type of impact, but that same stylistic impact uh, off the ball guy who can, um, who can, who can rush off the edge. And he would be a really nice fit in there with, with Devin Kennard. Um, the other guy is the uh, another TCU guy, Ben Banogu. I know I didn't <laughs> pronounce that right either. Uh, <laughs> good, uh, no, good, good work. He, um, he's another guy who I think will slide into day three, uh, but is another he fits that role. He, I think he can play a little bit off the ball. He's going to be a stand-up pass rusher. Those two guys are very appealing to me. Um, because they fit something that we all know is is, is a big need, but it's not necessarily a starting role. It's a guy you could get on day three, and you could uh, you could find a way for them to be impactful in, in their first season as uh, situational uh, pass rushers. Let me to go to another spot, or uh... no, that's good actually. <laughs> okay,
2: okay. Right there, I I, st- I mean, Derek's like staying loading up on offense. I still think they need a
0: little help on defense. So uh... yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they still do they, they still have needs on
1: both sides yes both sides i'm just saying we we may want to skew or we need some we need some more playmakers uh, as well so everybody defense okay. is the easy call but uh you know i want to get some people that can put in the paint score touchdowns from deep too because we got to go up over the top a little bit uh but uh yeah those late round defensive gems are you, you can never go wrong there so yeah you hit on some good names uh Grifka, let, let me hit him with a quick one here uh So, I know we're talking draft, Eric, but one of the biggest things for me is how's the opposite side of Slay going to shake out? I mean, I feel like I loved what we did in free agency. I love, uh, you know, kind of how they're uh, making this defense go from a a somewhat porous defense early last year to a pretty dominant unit towards the end of the year with snacks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, In regards to opposite of Slay, I mean, I know we we brought in – uh, players, Do you think they'll address that in the draft or can, excuse me, can we get a player that can really be not, not necessarily a lockdown guy, but a guy that's substantially better than what we've had over there? Or is he already on the roster? Because I always feel like opposite of Slay in that slot corner, which we think we stirred up with Coleman has just been killing us the last few years. I mean, just a uh, you know, can't guard anybody at those positions. So, what do you think in regards to the opposite
0: corner, considering if Coleman's in the slot? Yeah, in the last three seasons, I was just talking to uh, one of my PFF guys today or yesterday, and he said, if anyone wants to argue Coleman wasn't a good pick, he said, bring up the fact that in the last three years, Detroit has been in the bottom four in slot coverage, and Terrible. and yeah. so Coleman. Is uh, was a desperate position that, or adding Coleman to that desperate position was, was very necessary. Um, I don't think cornerback two is uh, is on the roster. Uh, it's possible that Melvin is cornerback two to start the season, uh-huh. but I don't know if he ends the season. And I don't, and I don't think he's like the long term answer either. Now I'm a big Mike Ford guy. But Mike Ford, while he showed well in his first outing, uh, he, in his next couple, he showed that he's still developing and that's fine. And I'm comfortable with Mike Ford being a reserve on the outside. I don't think he's winning that job anytime soon. And I don't think Marcus Cooper is either. So Melvin seems to be the leader for me, but personally, I think cornerback two is going to be a position that they uh, address in the first three rounds. And There's a lot of guys that I like out there that that fit. And there's a lot of full Quib qualifiers um, in the first 100 picks. I think I have, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. Eight of my top 100 corners are all passed fully. And then there's a couple other guys after that that I think could sneak into the third round that would also fit fully. So there's about 10 guys that I think they could bring in – that could challenge for a starting role, and and some of them could could beat Melvin out before training camp's over. Other guys, it might take to mid season, but I think that that will be a position that the the future of opposite Slay is, is not currently on the roster.
1: Yeah, good stuff there. I, I they always say it's a passing league. Well, I think you got to defend the pass too, and I think we've just been really bad at that the last um few years as i said you hit on some good ones i think the sweet spot is like the beginning of the second round or like you said in a trade down if they get a mid uh late second or a third maybe getting a corner in that position um griff has talked a lot about greedy and these other people but they don't necessarily fit um the lions even if they're talented and whatnot but i i think it's got to get addressed no doubt about it so um eric i know your uh time is valuable uh me and Griffko both have a few more. Maybe we could rapid fire, or you got some more time for us today? I, I got some more time. All right, perfect. Uh, hit him with another one, Griffko, one of your gems. Uh, have you noticed I haven't used the bell at all, Grifco? <laughs> I mean, I'm being nice with Eric on the line. Um,
2: yeah, I have noticed that, and I'm like, uh, you know, I was wondering <laughs> when it's going to come through. So, uh... <laughs> since, uh, there you go. since uh, Derek, Derek still believes there's, uh, you know, a, a huge need for offense, are there any small school <laughs> – Offensive players, wide receivers, tight ends that uh, may interest the Lions that uh, you can think of?
0: Yeah, my, my top uh, tight end from a small school is Josh Oliver. Oh, no. Uh, he checked That's his, great. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he checked his... thank, thank you.
2: Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. I pre- <laughs> I really appreciate that because I took him in a mock draft and Derek just ripped me for it. So,
0: okay. <laughs> oh, not a fan. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I have him at, at tight end six right now. Um, so he's pretty high on my board. Uh, he's a guy again in that third third round uh, fourth round range. I think he is is nice value for him. Um, again, like with Noah Fant, he he fits a role in that move position. And for uh, if if you're looking at small school. Uh, he's my tight end. On receiver, there's a lot of small school guys. I mean, you could you could say, well, UMass is a pretty small school, so Andy Isabella makes a lot of sense. But I think you're probably looking for like, a name that's a little bit smaller than him since his name's out there. Uh, so let's say Keelan Doss out of UC Davis. There's a small school guy. Uh, he is a big slot uh, slash vertical guy, uh, got injured in the um, – in the bench press at the combine. So he didn't get a chance to go, but he is a guy who, um, at six, two, he could fill that role that they're missing. Like, again, if you don't, if you're not landing that tight end that can operate out of the slot, then you're going to look for a, a big slot receiver. And, and Doss makes a lot of sense. I think we've heard, um, Jamal Custis's name out there, Syracuse is not as small, but he's, he's not as uh, well known of a name. Um, at, let's let me see if I can get a running back guy for you. My favorite running back from a small school is Bruce Anderson from North Dakota State. Uh, I call him Carry On Johnson Light because he <laughs> runs just like Carry On Johnson. Uh, he he has extraordinary patience uh, behind the line of scrimmage, but when he sees it, he hits it, and uh, he's real smooth uh, through there. He can run with power. I uh, has third down uh, capabilities as well, so. Uh, You know, if you're looking for a carry on clone that has some developmental upside that Bruce Anderson is the guy, uh, the small school guy at running back that I'd be targeting.
1: Okay. All right, Griffith, let me get back in here. Hey, Eric, you talked about Brian Burns earlier. This is a guy that I had kind of off my radar for a long time because I felt he was that light edge slash outside backer that yeah he might be that Jack linebacker but he also just didn't seem to be heavy enough all these other things didn't seem to fit from what I had kind of read up on or looked at but then I watched this guy on film and he's I think he's gained 23 pounds are bulking up to, like, the 250, 60, whatever he is now. I watched this guy, and I was impressed, man. He could bend when he was getting near the quarterback. He finished plays. I mean, I've heard people really high on him, and I've also heard, uh, you know, others uh, not so high. I know you brought him up earlier. Um, this is a guy I've I've liked more as I've got deeper into the process. Like, talk to me about a little bit about, um, do you like Burns? What do you like about him? But more so, like, does Matt Patricia like him? Does Bob Quinn like him for this scheme and this team as it's currently constructed?
0: Yeah, so Burns was primarily a down defensive end for Florida State. And, and he was listed yeah. at 235, which is why everybody was a bit um, concerned about his weight. Uh, checked in at 249 at the Combine, uh, which is legit. He has He has basically like a Leonard Floyd type upside where he can be that stand-up linebacker. There were some questions because he didn't stand up a whole lot at Florida state, but um he answered a lot of those in, 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 at the combine his ability he showed that he can he can still um translate that bend from it from a standing position as well as a down position because there were some questions can he can he add weight and still keep that bend? can he keep that bend from a standing spot instead of a down spot and he he did get a lot of those check marks off the board. I like him quite a bit. I think he would be in the mix for me at eight. The info that I've been told though, is that they're not as high on him as the fans are. And so I would say, you know, proceed with caution and don't get your hopes up, but they throw a lot of smoke screens out there too. Like he, he just visited today. So there's, they're showing that there is interest, but you know, how much interest? I've been told it's, if they trade back, I think they would be more interested in him than they would be at eight. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, and you brought it up. I did bring up Man, when he was at the combine, this guy caught the football and moved like a big tight end or a big yeah. s- slot. I mean, I was really impressed. And then when I went back and put on more tape of him, like you said, his hand's in the dirt. He's in that motorcycle stance. He's coming off the line. and I mean, I was impressed like you said, either in a trade down or, you know, hey, if he's one of the people in that pool and they think that he can add, uh, you know, getting after the quarterback, I think he's somebody that we have to consider, especially if he's bulking up a little bit. That's, um, you know, intriguing and, and uh, nice to see as well. So um, I'll go ahead and, and kick it back to Griff. Thanks for breaking out Burns a little bit there. Sure. Yeah. Um, with uh, the signings the
2: lines have already made, and I realize there's still a few names out there for agency. Do you feel there's anybody out there that the lines may be targeting right now and just kinda of waiting for the draft to finish to uh before they make a play for him?
1: And let me throw in a caveat, like any do you think they make a trade, Eric? Like uh I've talked about maybe some big trades or they've been hoarding some money, like uh any players they might be on, but also you see a trade happening at
0: all? Trades are always hard. Um I'm never really, I've never really been able to predict trades very well, just because they're really secretive about them. Um, like, like no one saw the Snacks trade coming, right? Uh, the Golden Tate one made sense because we were trading away. But as far as guys that they're looking at, it's really hard to get a get a real, you know, gauge of of, a, of who they might be going after. And when you look at where their big needs are on the roster the only guys, the only position where they would trade, I think, for a, a big money guy would maybe be cornerback. And, uh-huh. you know, th- are they willing to invest a lot of money at that position when you already have a lot of money invested in Slay? So, you know, c- could they be interested in Patrick Peterson, you know, because there's some connections with the front office in in, uh, in Arizona? Um, possibly, but I, I don't have anything to substantiate that. That's just speculation. Um. So- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say to Grifka's point. Any any
1: players, any vets you think are sitting out there that might interest them that they're just uh, waiting them out?
0: Yeah, you know, I I thought uh, Savage was one. Uh, Savage was a guy that I said just makes. I know they wanted a veteran quarterback, and and his connections to the coaching staff just made sense that they were going to bring him in at some point. Um, you know, Zach Brown is sitting out there, and he's, and good. he's a good. Yeah, he's he one of your better free agents that that is just sitting there that they haven't really done a whole lot with um i mean Ezekiel Alonso is still out there you could you could maybe in, entice the the lions could throw some money his way and a little and see if they could bring him back on a on a cheaper contract uh
1: griffkin's favorite player by the way yeah
0: um <laughs> yeah I I, think, I I don't think he's coming back personally but the longer he sits out there, the more his price comes down. Um, I wouldn't mind it, Ricky, you know you, you could see them reunite with Ricky Jean Francois because they need a rotational uh one more rotational defensive interior guy, so it's it's they can be looking his way again, but there's I don't think there's anybody out there that they're specifically waiting on. I think they're just kind of waiting i they've they've addressed most of the spots that I think they wanted to ahead of um ahead of the draft and i'm not sure there's a guy out there other than those couple that could come in and make a a giant impact on this roster just because there's their big needs are like like we said earlier cornerback uh a move tight end and maybe a right guard uh depending on what they want to do with crosby and with those three spots there's no one out there in free agency that are going to really Blow you away. So I, I think the money saving thing is more about the pending CBA that's coming down the road and trying to save money for the future rather than, um, you know, loading up for a big name guy.
1: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I just have 2 I'll kind of maybe bundle these together. Uh, One of them, we kind of talked a little bit about before, but this is what interests me, Eric. So me and Griff could get into lots of arguments about the draft and value of players, how you move around the draft board, all this type of stuff. Like I remember last year, I was, I liked carry on. The only thing I didn't like is that we moved up you know, uh, given up resources and we didn't have much. You know, I'm happy now that he's on the team. He's obviously looked really good. Hopefully he can stay healthy and produce. But what's your take on – it seems like Bob Quinn, he talks about, oh, I'd like to move down and you need a partner. But he always seems to be good
0: enough.
1: (laughs) but you know, everybody in Detroit's always – more picks and he's been giving up picks to go up so what's your take on that and do you think this could be the draft he really does move down and then kind of a combo meal like everybody's talking about we got to get another running back we got to get this I'm looking at the roster and kind of thinking especially since CJ was, was added and uh, if Amandola can stay healthy maybe those aren't as big of needs as people are thinking kind of take both of those if you can and then Grifka's maybe got one more and then we'll get you out of here
0: so I, the way I think Bob Quinn sets his board is I think he says, I have this many guys that I like at this position, and, he, and they, they mark it off like in tiers, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. um, with Kerry on Johnson, I believe they were targeting a running back, and they, and I believe he was the bottom of that tier that they were willing to not walk away from. And so when they saw that he was there and based on the information that they knew there was a team, two picks after 43, I forget which team it was that was targeting him. Uh, he knew that carry wasn't going to make it to their original pick. And so he was aggressive and he went after it and he, and he made that. And I'm okay with that. If, if you have a specific need, that was a very obvious need. And, and, and he was, he was the last of the guys. Um, I'm blanking right. on the guy who went to Washington uh, after Geiss that everybody loved, right? Um, yep. They did not like Geis, not even a little bit. Uh, they, they didn't feel like his personality would mesh with the locker room. They didn't like some of his antics. Um, they thought he was a fine player, but he was a guy that they were not willing to touch. And so carry on. He was it. After carry on, there wasn't a back that they thought could make an impact on the roster the way they wanted. And so I'm fine with them being aggressive and going after guys like that. Um, same thing with Deshaun Hand. They looked at him and they said, he shouldn't still be here. Let's go get this guy. And and, and they were willing to give up a pick in the in the future. And, and even though it was a third rounder, they said, this is the guy that's, he's going to be able to impact our defense. Now, I don't think they thought he would impact them as much as he did but I'm okay with him being aggressive and I'm okay with him trading up um, when he has these specific, uh, you know, targets in mind. He he's very analytical when uh, when he, with how he sets his board. And so uh, the moving up doesn't, doesn't bother me much at all. Um, The second part of your question was, Oh, uh, the needs at the skill positions. So on my board, I think that they could upgrade a wide receiver spot, a tight end spot, and a running back spot. And and a, and they're going to want that competition at, at all of those spots. Jesse James and Michael Roberts are fine. Logan Thomas is an upside guy that you're taking a shot at. But do you feel confident with Logan Thomas or Jerome Cunningham as your number three tight end going into the season? I don't. And so that's why I think tight end is is definitely going to be something high on their board. At receiver, Galladay and Jones are your obviously your big ones, and is fine, but they need a future guy that goes beyond 2020 because Galladay's contract's up in 2020, Jones's contract's up in 2020, Amendola is a single contract this year. If they're going to re-sign Galladay and maybe not re-sign Jones, it would be beneficial to have a wide receiver that's on the roster with some experience and that's why you target a wide receiver in this draft because you're trying to get a guy that's going to be there for the future. Pos if you can get a guy that can beat out Amandola, even better. If Amandola is your fourth receiver, great. Um I don't think I don't think he's locked in at that third spot. So wide receivers definitely uh high on my board as as a need as well. And as far as running back they really need a depth option. I mean, Zach Zenner's great and people love him, but he's, he's an average NFL backup. He's, he's, he's a fun story and he's a great person, but if carry gets hurt and let's say CJ Anderson shows a little bit of blunt 2.0, are you comfortable with Zach Zenner being your starting running back? And I don't think that they are beyond maybe the one game he was last season. So I do think that they're looking to add a running back that they can develop and possibly take over because, you know, while carry on signed for 2021, CJ Anderson, Theo Riddick, Zach Center are all on one year deals. So, or in the final year of their deal. So again, this is a position where you're drafting for the future. And that's why I still think they they'd be fortunate to add a guy if they can they can't i think they'll it's a position where you can you can make do with what you have but i do think if the value is there they wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised to see him take one on day three yeah
1: i'm going to throw back to grifka but the only thing i want to say is that like i love how you broke it down i love how you sort of uh, i wasn't sort of saying receiver these guys aren't needs but i'm i'm always cognizant of like the value like if you're taking a slot in this high second round mm-hmm and making Amandola like you said, bumping him down out of the starting lineup, whatever. Like, I don't know. I feel like you'd do that with a, a later pick because th- those top couple rounds are so valuable, you know, go get somewhere where you're really weak. Like I say, the corner two or uh, beef up that edge rush, whatever it may be. But uh, like I say, I know these needs need to get filled, but like that extra running back, I'm going to get him in like the fourth, fifth or later. You know what I mean? Finding a guy that, you know, is maybe better than Theo or can do the similar things to carry on. Like you say, Bruce Anderson, your guy, he's going to be there later. So that's all I'm saying is maybe you can fill this depth and find a star later and use those early picks in other spots. So uh, like I say, I like how you broke it down. That's just my take is that everyone's got us taking a receiver in the high second. We've got a tight end, maybe in the first. I mean, I think you could bump those back a little bit and still be okay. But uh Grifka Greatest question for Eric, or bundle two quick ones, and then we're going to let him plug his podcast, his Twitter, everything. And and he's just been yeah. awesome on the show, man. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, I, I just have a have a quick one. Me and Derek have talked about this in the past with uh, Matt Stafford. Seems to have lost a little bit of that swagger. They have a new offensive coordinator coming in, uh, Daryl Bevel. Do you see much difference in the offense, or do you still think it might be kind of like a safe offense, check down Charlie, maybe was just bringing a new OC in, just to kind of get a different voice in his head?
0: No, I think it's going to be different. Um, when you look at how Bevel has operated in the past, there is an emphasis on the run game, which is something they tried to establish last year. Uh, but Bevel likes to go vertical, and that's not something that Jim Bob did as much. He was comfortable with, with the short passes, but there was also... There was also a personnel issue that kind of forced them to go dink and dunk. When you they had with Galladay and Jones on the outside, uh, they need somebody that can threaten in the middle to alleviate some of their pressure because neither Marvin nor Kenny, they don't really separate themselves from the corners very well. And when you can't separate from corners, it allows the defense to do the different things with their safeties, bring them down, cover the slot a little bit more. And when you don't have a guy who can, who can open things up in the slot, then it puts more pressure on the outside and it makes it harder to convert those longer passes. So, the dinking and the dunking was, I think, by design, um, because uh, from a personnel standpoint, I also think with Sta- Stafford was banged up at the end of the year. Um, it, you know, you really saw a shift when they traded Golden Tate. You really saw a shift in how they attacked the offense. They they just, they just didn't have the weapons to go out and do what they wanted to do. When carry carry on also got hurt at that end of the year, which impacted the running the success in the running game, which also put a little bit more pressure on Stafford. So all those things can go wrong again and then we could be back in the same spot but the 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 goal here by adding these talented guys these other receivers and and tight ends and and running backs is so that you don't get in the situation again the bevel likes to attack deep and if you can sustain injuries and if you can get guys that can create separation over the middle well then you start opening things up a little bit more and now with uh, with that uh, vertical attacking game, it plays better into Stafford's um, approach. It goes back to, you know, a few years ago, even pre Jim Bob Cooter when he was very successful with, with Linehan and stuff. So, you know, I think um, I think that we could we could see a change in uh, the approach, and I think Stafford should benefit from that that change in that offensive attack.
2: Okay. Good, good, good.
1: Well, <laughs> Eric, man, uh, we we thank you so much. Uh, you have brought the knowledge. Me and Grifka, like, I say, we we love coming on this show, talking football, having a bunch of fun. You you brought a bunch of great points, broke it down, just as your podcast's name. Go ahead and throw uh, anything you
0: want to promote out there, and
1: then uh, we'll go ahead and close this show down.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Eric E R I K Schlitt S C H L I T T. It's just at Eric Schlitt. Um, we I, I write for the Lions Wire, which is part of that USA Today uh, social media group network, and put out articles every day. I'm I'm just I've got a, my defenses uh, quib stuff is starting in uh, in the morning, so we're going to start with the defensive line there. I've already got all the offensive. Uh, players done at this point and published and, and out there as well uh, my podcast is like you said the Detroit Lions Breakdown podcast we usually tape every week uh, with the off season, we sometimes will delay things a little bit where it's we're not always consistently on, on Thursdays uh, but we always put one out every week and um, we take questions so Uh, If people submit questions on Twitter, then I add them on the podcast and we uh, try and address as many things as we can Uh, try and be as fan friendly as as we can here. So, yeah, those I mean, those are the main avenues. Um, And, uh, you know, I I, I enjoy talking uh, football. I I enjoy interacting online as much as I can. And um, so feel free to uh, to reach out.
1: Everybody out there listening, Eric is a tremendous follow. He knows his stuff. He's always, uh, like you said, great to the fans, great to people that have questions for him. Uh, I just kind of connected with him on Twitter and, uh, you know, always, like I say, always has a good take on things and just been awesome. So you've been really generous with your time. It was awesome to have you on the show. Um, we can't thank you enough.
0: I appreciate it. Have a, I had a good time.
1: Absolutely. So for me, for Grifka, and thank you so much, Eric, um, we're going to go ahead and get up out of here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out.
0: Pack the back, Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions.
1: Drink it in, man.